Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. If you are underlining in your Bible, underline that. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Let me pray for us. Father God, as we look at this passage today, as we wrestle with the subject of what faith is and how it... uh, draws us to you, how it moves us to you, Uh, Lord, I would ask for clarity of thought, uh, clarity of mind, be able to put together um, harder subjects. Um, Lord, I'd ask for uh, transparency and honesty in uh, group discussion time. And Lord, uh, most importantly, I ask for your spirit to be present and that would remove anything false that I say um, from the minds of the children, but uh, bury truth uh, deep within their hearts that I speak in your son's name. Amen. I want to turn your attention first to what I believe is the climax of the whole entire story. It's the, it's the part that is echoed at the very end of the story as the girl stands and from what I imagined uh, is enveloped into the arms of her mother and father. That climax, that peak, the culmination of the story is repeated in the words, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. But what is faith? What is faith? The word has hundreds of definitions for it. The word has hundreds of definitions for it. Critics claim that faith is believing something that in your heart you know isn't true. Skeptics believe faith is believing something that there is no evidence for. Mr. Webster and his dictionary define it as a belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Also, belief in the traditional doctrines of religion. So what is faith? And further, let's take it even further. What does it matter? Is it even important to the Christian? Is it even important to your walk with Christ? 
Think about this. The word faith, faithful, faithfulness, anything with faith in it appears 470 times, 75 times in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 1.16 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, or that's adults, be strong. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. Matthew 17.20, Jesus said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew, Jew first, and also to the Greek. For it is in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by Faith. Faith, if you're a Christian, is a big deal. Faith is the reason the woman was healed. Faith is the reason the man's daughter was healed. Faith is the reason we are healed from our captivity to sin and are brought to new life in God. Faith. So again, we ask, what is faith? If it's so important, what is it? The Bible defines it for us. Appreciate it. Thank you. In the letter to the Hebrews, in uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It's the first fill in the blank you have. The, is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, and the rest of them, it goes on to say, all died in faith, not having received what was promised, but having seen it and greeted it from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for people like that make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. So there is a movement in faith. There is this step towards in faith. There is a going in faith. There is a starting line and a finishing line and steps in between. And some would characterize it, too, as a following, faith as a following. I was reading one of my favorite authors this week, Frederick Buechner, and one of his essays had a great paragraph on faith that I would like to read for you. I think it captures faith so well. This is Frederick. Faith, therefore, is distinctively different from other aspects of the religious life, and not to be confused with them, even though we sometimes use the word to mean religious belief in general. As in phrases like the Christian faith or the faith of Islam. Faith is different from theology because theology is reasoned, systematic, and orderly. Whereas faith is disorderly, intermittent, and full of surprises. Faith is different from mysticism because mystics in their ecstasy became one with what faith, that faith cannot most see only from afar. Faith is different from ethics because ethics is primarily concerned not, like faith, with our relationship to God, but with our relationship to each other. Faith is closest, perhaps, to worship, because like worship is essentially a response to God and involves the emotions and the physical senses, as well as the mind. But worship is consistent, structured, single-minded, and seems to know what it's doing, while faith is a stranger in exile on earth. And doesn't know for certain about anything. Faith is homesickness. Faith is the lump in the throat. 
This is your next fill in the blank. Faith is less a position on than a movement towards. Faith is less a position on than a movement towards. Less sure thing than a hunch. Faith is waiting. Faith is journeying through space and through time. And that is what we will talk about today. Faith. The faith of two people. A man named Jairus and an unnamed woman. Now remember how we talked about faith as a movement towards. Well, like all movement towards, there's a starting point where someone is now in a destination. So we're going to walk, talk through all three spots for both characters here, like we're kind of breaking down a script for a character. So let's talk about Jairus first, where he's coming from, his past. There's a man named Jairus, he's a synagogue leader. We have mentioned this before, that other leaders, about other leaders in Jewish culture. You don't get to be a leader in first century Judaism by being a slandering, morally obtuse person. Leadership in communities that are so open to one another typically fuel more open leadership. It is not like the McMansions here with the tall fences and the... Um, for losing the word. Um, yep. And where you pull your, the garage door that closes behind you. Damn. Tells you how much sleep I had yesterday. And the garage door that closes behind you. It, you see, in Frisco, and I think it's the same way with Prosper and some of the other communities we live in, it's real easy to just go into your house and live in your small little circle with your people you know, and then leave your house and then go to a little small circle of people you know, and then go to work and then interact with that small circle of people you know, and then go to your club sport or club and interact with that small group of people you know. It's so much easier in all our culture to live three or four different lives in which our goal is to simply live in a way to please people in each circle. Some of you know this intimately because you do this act intimately. But in a culture that literally... Many people would sleep on the roofs at night because it would be cold, and you could wave to your neighbors that go to bed. The circles are much larger, even though it's a city. It's like living in a small town where everyone knows your business. And this man, Jairus, because he is a leader in the community, is almost a celebrity within the community, because everyone knows who he is, which means probably everyone is much more concerned with his business. What they know about Jairus is he's a leader. He's got a very sick daughter, and he's scared. And he cares very much for her. Which moves us to Jairus in the present. Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus. That's the present. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of twelve, was dying. Came and fell. Notice that action. There's movement again in his faith. There are two actions. A movement towards and a response and a disposition too. This there is faith, faith from a well-off man, knowing that his riches, his status, his confidence, and his love for another could not save his daughter. There is nothing he can offer to save the life of his daughter. No sacrifice, no offering, nothing that can save his daughter that he can provide. 
He just has to have what? Faith. Faith in this one man who's attracting crowds. So Jairus moves forward to the feet of Jesus of Nazareth, whom some of his co-workers hate at the synagogue, because he might be willing to save his daughter. Then we come to this unnamed woman. Her past is tragic. Juxtaposed with Jairus, that means in comparison to some of you junior high kids, she is on the opposite side of life. Think about it. While Jairus' life might be defined by blessing, this woman is defined by her misfortune. While Jairus is of high station, this woman isn't even important enough to be named. Jairus, who was confident enough to approach Jesus directly, contrasts with the woman who sneaks up to him just to touch his cloak. Jairus, a leader at the synagogue, the woman not even about to go to the synagogue, not even able to go to the synagogue because her blood disease makes her unclean. But these two people, even though from very two paths, have two very similar things in common. First was the number 12. Jairus with a 12-year-old daughter and this woman with a 12-year-old problem. Second was that they both had faith. They both move towards <coughs> Jesus. But what does that mean to move towards Jesus, to pursue Christ? We see lots of people in the story pursuing Christ. Look at the crowd. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Everyone's excited that Jesus is coming to the city. Woohoo! He's coming. Did you know Jesus is coming? We should go down Main Square. See him. They're excited. They're expecting as Jesus was on his way, it says the crowds almost crushed him. This is bigger than any Trump rally or Hillary rally or any other protest that anyone wants to put on in downtown, whatever. These people are crowding around a man that can actually save them. But people come to Jesus and approach Jesus, move towards Jesus in very different ways. And these are kind of your points one, two, three, and four. Okay? One, there are those in life. I'll give you the word. There are those in this life of Jesus that move towards him with defiance. Defiance. The unbelievers that nailed him to the cross, who tortured him before the final moments at Calvary, while there are none of these in this scene, we do see mockers at the end of the story that laugh at Jesus before he raises the girl from the dead. We see those who move towards Jesus today in defiance, some of those you would find in academia, the rest are online. And those are those who spend countless hours even spending money on tons of degrees to know a man that they only wish to push away. Really interesting. Then there are those who move towards Jesus because it is, one of your favorite words, fashionable. Mercy's like, yes, that does explain me to a T. You're right, AJ. Fashionable. He is the celebrity. If TMZ or TM Jerusalem, whatever you would call it, was around back then, they would follow Jesus. The English paparazzi, those crazy people, they'd follow Jesus. Today he was at the square talking on the stock. <laughs> Just be crazy. Because it was fashionable. People are showing up at the scene to see Jesus because 
Everyone else is showing up at the scene to see Jesus. But many of them only want Jesus as long as he is fashionable. But when he asks us to die of self to carry our cross, they want nothing to do with him. Three. Then there are those who move towards Jesus because it's rote. R-O-T-E. Rote. It's what you do. It's, it's the basic cycle. Right? It's rote. The same way I move towards my coffee in the morning, I'm not yet awake. There's really a 50-50% chance that I'm going to get the grounds to water ratio correct. I go through the routine because that is what I have always done. There is little preparation, little thought. It's just what I do. I go to the coffee machine every morning and worship at that altar. (laughs) While we don't see this directly here, I imagine this is the way Judas Iscariot goes about following Jesus. It's just what he's done since Jesus called him. He takes care of the finances because that's what he's supposed to do. But the people who do this because it's rote, and you know these type of people. These are people that have been in church their whole entire lives. And they show up on Sunday and they do church things and they listen to the latest passion album. Not that there's anything wrong with that. They do all these things because, well, this is simply what I've always done. And while going towards Jesus, they many times move past Jesus because they're so rogue. So rogue. It's like they're traveling to one destination and then they forget that, oh, yeah, that was the exit. I've just been on the highway so long. Not quite sure where I am. Then there are those who move towards Jesus in faith. Surprise. That word came up again. Faith. Like the woman. It wasn't rote. It wasn't fashionable. And it surely wasn't defiance. It was desperate. It's your next fill in the blank. It was desperate. Wasn't it? The homesickness, the lump in the throat, the sweaty palms, the honesty of self, and the cry for help, and the cry to hope. Those are all actions of faith. Hope met with peace. And when she is healed, Jesus senses that the power has left him. Okay, he can read the thoughts of men in a crowd, so I doubt he didn't know exactly what had happened. But he asked the question in the present moment for the unnamed woman. So back to the story of the unnamed woman in the present. He asked this, who touched me, Jesus asks. Now she knows she cannot hide in the crowd. So she falls at his feet. The man just before did that. So maybe that'll work for her too. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. And how she had been instantly healed. Next quote, every other doctor, every next fill in the blank, every other doctor had told her they couldn't help. Jesus didn't even have to tell her he could. Every other doctor had told her they couldn't help. Jesus didn't even have to tell her he could. But while there is hope in the present for one, namely the unnamed woman, there is absolute fear in the presence of the other, the man named Jairus. Think about it. They're on his way to save his daughter. And this woman interrupts them. 
Jairus must be thinking, we don't have time for this. My daughter is dying. I cannot wait any longer, Jesus. What if something happens? She is at the door of death, Jesus. Please make sure the door is shut. But when Jairus sees a servant turn the corner and enter their view, and he knows the message is not good from the look on a servant's face. Waiting on the Lord, even for a little while, is hard, isn't it? Waiting on the Lord, even for a little while, is hard. There are tons of poems about waiting online. It's like the second most poetized topic outside of love. Just Google it. One I found this week was from a guy named Chris. It reads this. Well, it's a love poem. I think it really kind of captures it. Wait, she said, be patient. I'm not a patient man. I keep myself busy just to avoid waiting. Gym, running, cars, chores, work, work, work. Because idle kills me. Waiting allows me to think. And for me, thinking is death. I think many of you in the room feel that way. Waiting is hard. I thought it sums up waiting well. We wait a couple of ways. One of the ways you guys wait, and I would say your culture as a whole, is we distract ourselves to death, don't we? Instead of waiting, we immediately have to distract ourselves. We wait by busying ourselves. Why? Because patience means we have to give up control of the situation. This is your next fill in the blank. This one we're going to cover. It's the topic we're going to cover in transformation groups. But what do you think godly, active waiting looks like? What do you think godly, active waiting looks like? That's a new concept for some of you. Active waiting? It's like jumbo shrimp. Like this oxymoron. What does active waiting look like? Here, Jairus doesn't have 12 seconds for this unnamed woman's 12 years. His daughter has died. The laughter, the hugs, the snuggle time, the kisses on the cheek, the sniffles of allergies, the bruises and scars of childhood play, all gone. And with it, hope. And let's think about it. If there's no... Jesus, then it's meaningless. Death is the taxi that will take us to no destination at all. But with Jesus. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Believe? Just believe? Sounds like a song, right? If you remember the movie The Prince of Egypt, it's the number one hit song that year. When You Believe captures the moment here as well as the story in Exodus. Many nights we prayed with no proof anyone could hear. In our hearts, a hope for a song we barely understood. Now we are not afraid, although we know there's much to fear. We are moving mountains long before we knew we could. There can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve when you believe? Somehow you will. You will when you believe. Believe in the one you move towards. Have faith that he will meet you. As you wait. What fears do you need to leave at the feet of Jesus? Anxiety 
of the health of a loved one, pain in your own life, physical or emotional, he says, come. In the midst of the crowd, come forth, whether important or downtrodden. The rest of the story, the future, he goes and he heals the girl, raises her from the dead. Jairus clearly believed, didn't he? His daughter's healed. Your faith has healed you. These words spoken by Jesus to the woman who interrupts Jesus working on Jairus' timetable. Her faith healed her. Her outstretched arm, her cry for hope in the midst of the pain, is met with, your faith has healed you. Like any great climax in a story, the parts directly in front and directly behind it are just as beautiful, but many times can be overshadowed. So I briefly want to touch on that before we move into transformation groups. Transformation groups. But notice first how he responded to the woman without a name before he said, your faith has healed you. What did he do? He called her daughter. Not woman, not stranger, but part of his family, as if she was his very own. Why? Why was she his very own? Let's see next fill in the blank. Because by faith she sought the son and was brought into the father's family. By faith she sought the son and was brought into the father's family. And notice the other words after it. Notice the other words after he says it. Go in peace. This is your last fill in the blank. If faith is the journey forward, then peace is the destination of that journey. If faith is the journey forward, then peace is the destination of that journey. I hope you know that peace as part of the family of the king by faith.